Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Um, it is part six in our One Another series, and uh, this morning I have the complicated honor of talking about confessing our sins to one another. Um, I was turned 50 this year, and I, you know, when you turn 50, you think about your life a little more in the sense of your, the, most of the life that you've lived, and uh, I was thinking I really wasn't a very good brother. I have a younger brother, and uh, I remember a specific moment where we got involved in a bit of a tangle, and I may or may not have extended my hand in the shape of a fist, and may or may not have left a bruise on the side of his face. Uh, we were latchkey kids. And so I had about two hours to figure out what I was going to do before my mom came back. Uh, my mom would come back, and I would remember she, uh, we, we lived on the eighth floor, and she had high heels, so you would know when she would come back, because you would hear the clack, 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 and then as she reached for the keys in her bag, she also had some bangles, and so that was it. That was the moment. And so I started negotiating with him, and I said to him, you don't need to tell mom about this. And he's like, I'm going to tell mom about this. And I said, well, if you do, then I will do that to the other side of your face. <laughs> I said I wasn't a good brother, okay? I did not know Jesus. I was probably around 10 years old. So she came in and she asked him, you know, what happened to your face? And what we didn't do is work on the lie. We didn't like, I, I said to him, you cannot tell her that this was me, but we didn't kind of work on which lie he was going to say. So he said, I fell down. Right? I know. It's, it was terrible. I mean, you know, I, I, I worked on the excuses as we got older. You know? And she said, fell down where? He said, at school. Well, what did you fall on? I mean, she was on to us, you know. Well, on to me. Um, oh, I fell in a gutter. Does your school have gutters on the ground that you can just fall in? Anyway, needless to say, I got in a lot of trouble. The, the problem with that is I learned never to confess. Never. I always learned to deflect. I always learned to lie. Because whatever I did, even if I did confess, the response was never a positive one. And so I grew up with a sense of actually saying, if I've done something wrong, I'm not going to admit it. Nothing good can ever come of that. When I became a Christian, then I learned the art of camouflage confession. The art of camouflage confession is when you do something that is really bad, and then you confess to something that is not so bad. So I would be guilty of looking at porn, and I would go to one of my leaders and say, you need to help me because I'm really struggling with lust. That's called a camouflage confession. That doesn't bring freedom. It doesn't bring a sense of relief where, where you actually can say, I was wrong, I need help. Please, can you walk with me in that? And so this morning, we're hitting a really difficult subject. Um, and even before we start, I just want to pray for us before we get into the meat of what's going on. God, I want to thank you for your kindness. I want to thank you for your strength. I want to thank you that because of your great mercy, I want to thank you that because of your faithfulness and because you are the one that pursued us, we get to come, with, we get to come before you with no hiding, 
No masks, no pretense. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your protection and your presence. If there's any uh, spirits of shame or condemnation, God, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray that you'd bring freedom and hope. So, there's two kinds of confession. The first kind of confession is a verbal affirmation of an internal truth. Quite simply, it's what the Bible says, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A confession, the one kind of confession, is basically saying, I am verbalizing what I know to be true here. That is my confession. A second kind of confession that we're talking about is an acknowledgement of sin. And we, do, we perform a, a, a confession right at the beginning of our spiritual journey. We, we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, where we confess that we need a Savior uh, because of our sinful hearts, our sinful minds, and our sinful actions. But we also confess that He is the only one that can bring us freedom. Now, the challenge is, is that we are called as Christians to live in a constant state of confession. And this can be a little confusing for us. Uh, because the reality is the Bible tells us that we are set free that we have a new man that is living with our, with, w- inside us, that our old man has been crucified. And so hopefully, hopefully this morning, I'm going to be able to help us uh, with that challenge. Sin comes in two forms. We have sins of omission and sins of commission. And that's basically a fancy way of saying that there are things or areas in your life where you sin, where you've actually committed a sin, you've done something wrong, that's called the sin of commission, but there's also sins of omission. And James tells us in chapter 4, verse 17, it is a sin when someone knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that is also a sin. Now, those of you that know me will probably know that I'm usually guilty of something that I've said. I'm usually guilty of a sin of commission. Um, and over the past weeks, as, as I've been challenged, I've also had to come to a place of recognizing and needing to confess sins of omission, of things I should have said, things I should have done. And so when the Spirit of God comes and begins to minister to us, one of the things He's trying to reveal is areas in our lives where we aren't lining up with the gospel in the context of things that we are doing, or in the context of things that we should be doing, but we are not doing. And so this morning, as the Spirit of God begins to minister to you, one of the questions we're going to be asking is, God, are you leading me in a place, to a place of confessing things that I have left undone, that I know I should have done? Or are you leading me to a place of confessing things that I've done that I should not have done? We are called to two kinds of confession. The one is vertical and the other one is horizontal. Vertical is our confession before God our Father. In 1 John 1 verse 8 and 9, Scripture says, If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, which is a lot of what we're drawing some of our subject matter from, says this, Now come as the sinner that you are to a God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you. He doesn't want a sacrifice, a work. He wants you alone. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before Him. 
He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. I love that scripture because that scripture says that God not only forgives us, but cleanses us. This is, this is a God that says, Nick, I don't want you to do that. You're going to hurt yourself. And then when I do that, and I hurt myself, he forgives me, and then he gathers me, and he cleanses me from the wound I've caused myself because I didn't listen to him. I'm not just forgiven. Forgiven would be enough, but I'm forgiven and cleansed by the grace of God. Now, the problem is we reject this notion of our own sinfulness. We reject it because we think it lowers our self-esteem or our value. We reject it because we don't want to live in shame. However, the reality is, is if I have this recognition that I'm more flawed than I could ever imagine, but more loved than I could ever know, what it actually does is it raises my value because I suddenly have the revelation that the way God loves me has nothing to do with me. And so I don't need to pretend, I don't need to hide my bad stuff, and I don't need to raise my good stuff because I am so deeply loved by God that that will never affect the way in which his affection rests on me. We try and push that away, and we don't live in this tension of deeply flawed and deeply loved. But why confess our sins to God if we have already been forgiven? If I am a follower of Jesus, and part of what I understand is that my sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, then why should I go through this process? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, I'm going to suggest a couple of things. The first and the most profound thing is that it gives us a fresh recognition of His grace and mercy. We received that when we came to faith and we were cleansed by His blood. But when I confess a sin to God my Father, I, re I realize in that moment that there is nothing, not a single thing I can do that will ever separate me from his love. That in that moment, as I confess either my sin of omission or commission, the mercy and grace of God floods my life, and my eyes are open to this magnificent grace, and it is a way in which the Spirit ministers to me where I receive the grace of God in a fresh way. That's why we confess sin. Another reason that we confess sin and we have this fresh understanding of the ongoing grace of God is because it helps us to recognize an area where the Holy Spirit is trying to make us more Christ-like. As we confess sin, we, we are able to partner with the Spirit where the Spirit is actually saying, Nick, this area is not good for you. This is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. And I'm trying to partner with you so that you can become more Christ-like. And the challenge for us is that if we don't confess areas of sin, then we don't partner with the Spirit of God to be able to allow Him in to bring the change that He needs to bring. But Nick, the Bible says that we are new. The Bible says we have new hearts. We are no longer sinners. That's true. Colossians 3 says, you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are already home. Colossians 3 verse 5 says this, Therefore put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, and desire. The truth is this, and Sean reminded us this morning, that we live in a broken and flawed world, and until Jesus comes to restore that world, we will consistently be battling our three enemies, Satan, the world, and our flesh. 
There will always be a sense in which we, in some way or other, succumb to that temptation and have the freedom of confession to go to God and say, Father, I blew it in this way. We can't engage the Spirit's help to put to death if we don't confess areas that need to be put to death. Do I need a change of mind? The second reason that we confess, even if we are Christ followers and we're already forgiven, is that hidden sin will crush our souls. Now, those of you, I know, because I've lived there. Now, those of you that carry this thing of like, if anyone were to find out, that is a weight that will crush your soul. I literally have seen people that are bowed over because of the sin that crushes their soul. David experiences this in Psalm 31 where he says this, the one whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered over, is truly happy. The one the Lord doesn't consider guilty and whose spirit there is no dishonesty, that one is truly happy. When I kept quiet, my bones wore out. I was groaning all day long, every day, every night, because your hand was heavy upon me. My energy was sapped as in a summer drought. Selah. You know what Selah means? Pause and consider. So we're going to do that. I'm going to read the next verse, and we're going to pause and consider. So I admitted my sin to you. I didn't conceal my guilt. I'll confess my sins to the Lord. That is what I said. Then you removed the guilt of my sin. If this is true, and I'm telling you it's true. Why would we want to live under the burden of unconfessed sin? Why would we want to live under that burden? If this is true, and we know it to be true because it's in the Word of God, I admitted my sin to you. I didn't conceal my guilt. You removed the guilt of my sin. The challenge is that hidden sin will lead you to deception. Because if there's hidden sin, there's only two things that we can do. The one is posturing. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. No one has the right to tell me how to live my life. Or shame. I either have to posture or I have to live in shame. But the good news is you get to live in freedom if you release that area of hidden sin. And thirdly, we confess to God on a regular basis because we tangibly get to experience His covering. What I love about Jesus is that He doesn't cover up our sins. He covers over our sins. Now, you may think that's a little semantic. It's not. It is very, very important. Throughout the Bible, there is a sense in which God uses this overshadowing term, the sense of covering over. It's important because our sin is pardoned. So we aren't found innocent. This is, this is an important thing. We aren't found innocent. We, our sin is pardoned. When someone is found innocent, it means that what they were accused of, they didn't do. That's what someone that is innocent is. Someone whose sin is pardoned is accepting the fact that they have done that. I know you've done that. I know you were guilty of that but I pardon your sin. 
That is what we as Christ followers have received. No one here is saying that I didn't do anything wrong or I got off on a technicality. The gracious mercy of God has covered over my sin. We are covered with a robe of righteousness. And we're covered with a robe of of righteousness, which means we don't need to pretend trying to put on our robes. Adam and Eve, when they were found guilty of sin, what did they do? They tried to stitch fig leaves together. What did they do next? They tried to get animal skins. Why? Because I need to hide. There's some way in which I I feel wrong, so I need to hide. And Jesus is saying, I died so that you can put on a robe of righteousness, so that you can stand before me and men as pure and holy. As we confess before God, as we make that a regular practice, we get to sense the tangible grace of God that rests upon us as we say, Jesus, forgive me, for I have sinned. It's almost impossible to confess our sins to one another if we're not in a habit of regularly confessing our sins to God. I mean, how many of you are really good at confessing your sin to your brother and sister and not? No, it doesn't work that way. We are able to confess our sins to our brothers and sisters because there is a solidity in our station where we know that we are accepted as sons and daughters of the living God because we've received the grace of God. And so now we take that further step of humility and we say, hey, brother, forgive me because I've sinned in this area. So we're called to vertical and we're also called to horizontal confession. Why? Three reasons. It fosters humility, it breeds honesty, and it also promotes healing. James 5 verse 16 As we continue in the one another, James says to the church he's writing to, for this reason, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful in what it can achieve. Again, Bonhoeffer says this, confession in the presence of a brother is the profoundest kind of humiliation. It hurts. It cuts a man down. It is a dreadful blow to pride. In the deep mental and physical pain of humiliation before a brother, which means before God, we experience the cross of Jesus as our rescue and our salvation. The old man dies, but it is God who has conquered him. Now we share in the resurrection of Christ and eternal life. Now, what I want you not to get stuck on is the emotive value of the word humiliation. And the point of confessing to one another is not humiliation. That's self-flagellation or, or harming yourself physically or emotionally or punishing yourself is not what God has called us to. And that's not what confessing to one another is all about. It's not whipping ourselves emotionally or physically. He's inviting us to see ourselves more clearly and to see Him more clearly. So if we accept that the root of all sin is pride, which it is, we want to live in our way, we want to make our choices, we want to be our God, then humility creates this environment of clarity and healing for us to walk into. What it also does when we confess our sins to one another is we're making a very bold statement. I cannot do this alone. I need you. So so the most immediate thing that we do when we walk to a brother or sister 
and we say, can I talk to you about something, is we've already broken something in the spiritual realm because we've already said, I need you. I know this is heavy, but I'm trusting for deep freedom to come this morning. It breeds honesty. Not only uh, can we be guilty of the camouflage confession with other men and women, we can be guilty of the camouflage confession with God. We can be guilty of coming before God, knowing that our status is unchanged, knowing that His love and affection rests upon us, and so we can be a little flippant about the way in which we ask for forgiveness. We cannot think about the damage that has caused us or the people around us, and because we know that God is open-handed with His forgiveness, we begin to kind of cheapen that. Well, that's much harder to do when you're speaking to someone that has skin on Your brother and sister has the opportunity to ask you questions. When you confess your sin, your brother and sister says, can I ask you some questions? How do you feel about that? Have you repented to that person? Breeds honesty. Our hidden heart is revealed. And we know that one of our biggest challenges is that we live with a hidden heart that we don't even really know is there. Well, man, that thing is exposed when you go to your brother and sister And you say, I'd like to confess something. It's like, boom, you're opening it wide. We become honest with ourselves. We become honest with our community. And we become honest with God. And what this does is automatically create an environment of accountability. If I go to Sean and I confess a sin to Sean, I know that I've automatically made myself accountable to Sean because he's he's not going to forget. Now, he's not going to forget in a way that he's going to hold it over me, but as he prays for me, and as he commits to join me in this journey, then he's able to say to me, hey, Nick, how's it going? So suddenly that question, how is it going, has far more meaning if we are a community that confess our sins to one another. Because Sean and I know what it means when he says, how's it going? No one else needs to know that. Sean and I know that. It promotes healing. That's what James says. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now the power of forgiveness in the present and the freedom of sin in the future only comes from God. Only God can bring us absolution. Only God can bring you into that space where you stand innocent and free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But man... To have someone with you, standing with you, as you experience that, that is a powerful, powerful thing. Not only for the person receiving grace, but for the one that is standing with the person receiving grace. A couple of years ago, I don't know how many, stiff, I don't know, six, seven years ago, we were on a trip to South Africa, and there was a, a person on this trip that um, shoplifted, got caught, went to jail. I get a call from the church that is hosting us. Hey, uh, could you come here? Come where? Come to the police station. One of your team members is in jail. I don't know if you've led a ministry trip before. 
There's really no manual on how to do that. I remember um, as I reconciled the budget for that ministry trip, I was like, I don't know what line item bail goes under. It wasn't a line item I had anticipated in terms of that. She stood there in the court, and they called her name. It wasn't Steph, just by the way. It was not Steph. <laughs> Steph, Steph was there, and I did some fact-checking with Steph last night. Steph was there. She, she stood up in the court, and I stood with her. And the judge laid down her judgment, and she was angry uh, because she had got away with it. And she was going to do community service for the rest of the days that she was going to be in this country. Um, and we had convinced one of the prosecutors that they needed to release her because she needed to come home, etc., etc. And the judge was really angry. Um, and the judge had said, if, if this was up to me, she never um, would have received this deal. But she confessed. As soon as, I, as soon as I walked in, she confessed. The rest of the team, we, we went and we did some fun stuff, and then we came back. And then I remember her standing in front of the team and saying, man, I, I was wrong. I'm so sorry I did that. And no one stood like that and said, I can't believe you embarrassed us like that. Were we embarrassed? I was embarrassed. I was. Did I know what to say to the leader of that church? I didn't know what to say. But you know what? As, as she opened her heart and she said, I'm, I'm sorry, this happens with God and this should happen with us. When someone confesses sin and they repent, our response should be the same that we would want to receive if we were in that situation that we want to receive the grace and mercy. Now, when you confess to a brother or sister, a confessor can help you figure out whether you're carrying too much condemnation or whether the Holy Spirit of God is actually trying to draw something out of you. Because oftentimes we get a little confused. And depending on what side of the scale you fall, where if things bounce off you, like me, Nick, I think you need to pay a little more attention to this. Or maybe you're just weighed down by sin and someone can actually say to you, no, that is not the conviction of God. That's the condemnation of the enemy. You need to resist that. And when we confess to one another, we have someone that is able to help us be able to identify that. When we confess to one another, we have another human being that can help us because sometimes our sin comes from the hurt that we have received in the past and from broken family patterns. And when we confess to one another, there can be wisdom given by the Spirit to that person to actually say, I think you should be paying attention to this area. Because I think what is happening is not necessarily the root. So I can see the sin, but I think there's maybe something deeper that you need to be paying attention to. This can help us return to a place of joy and freedom and walking in the light. Confessing to one another is not just the ticking of some legal box. It brings true freedom. So what are the, some of the postures that we can hold when we are making or receiving a confession? Now ask yourself if you've, if you've ever said this to yourself. I've already confessed 
I've repented multiple times and I keep doing the same thing. No one will believe me. No one will trust me. I have X amount of confession tickets and I've used all of them. It's a lie. I am powerless. The sin has a grip on me. Confession only adds shame without freedom. Why would I want to do that? I'm not going to tell anyone about this because they are going to use this as a weapon against me. And in the future, whenever someone sees me, that's all they're going to see. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these precious brothers and sisters. And I pray that if those lies are prevalent, that you, by your grace, would come and shatter them. And that you would build a holy confidence in us to be able to walk steadily towards your throne of grace and to be able to walk towards our brother and sister. I'm sorry if some of you have experienced that. I'm sorry if some of you have taken that tentative step towards confessing towards your brother and sister and have not been met with the grace and mercy that you deserved. I'm also sorry if you've been met with a sense of enabling rather than freedom. But I want to say that just because we've made mistakes doesn't mean that this really powerful thing that God is calling us to is not something that we should pursue. When we're making a confession, here's some really very practical advice. Please do not look for someone who struggles in the same area of sin that you struggle with, assuming that they will be more lenient towards you. Right? None of you ever thought of that, right? This is just brand new. I want to say to spouses, there should be a culture of confession within your marriage. However, you also need someone that both of you have agreed outside of the context of your marriage because there are some things and times where it's just too heavy for your spouse to handle. And as, as a couple, you need to agree and you need to say, yes, Nick, Karen saying to me, Nick, I trust Sean. You can go to him. You can tell him anything. That's a powerful, powerful gift that we give each other within the context of a marriage relationship. Look for a perfect person that doesn't sin. <laughs> You're never going to find that. Look for a person who's full of grace and truth. Look for a person who's making progress. Look for a person whom other people trust. Look for a person who operates in 100% grace and 100% truth, and then observe, ask, pray. Why would God lead you to an unsafe person? God, if you're saying to me that this is important for my growth, then please show me a safe confessor, someone that will give me grace and truth. I want to suggest that when you're making a confession, you call sin, sin. I was wrong. I sinned. I hurt someone. I failed. 
we are all very sick and tired of political confessions. Wrongs were committed. What does that even mean? Errors were made. Feelings were hurt. No. You're not taking responsibility when you say that. I was wrong. I did this. I want to be free from that. Why? Because it opens the door for grace and mercy to flood. When you say wrongs were made, or she made me do this, if Karen were just more understanding, I wouldn't. That's not a confession. That's a deflection. Ask for help in finding the deeper root. Many of us know that we say things like, I don't know what came over me. This is not who I am. Maybe the question we should be asking is, what is deeper that I'm not seeing that led me to this place? Because I can cut off that branch, but really what God wants to help me with is poisoning the root of that tree that is producing bad fruit. Jesus insists that we confront our own hearts. He shows the deep problem is not necessarily what we do, but the heart that it springs from. Matthew 15, verse 19, he says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, theft, false testimony, and insults. We steal and lie because we feel entitled to taking what we, have, what we want. We misuse our human sexuality, ours and others, because pleasure is our primary motivation. And when we confess to one another and we confess a sexual sin and don't allow that brother or sister, don't allow God to search deeper and we don't realize that the real issue is that I do not want to deny myself pleasure, then we can expect deeper change. And then finally, we acknowledge both victims. Many of you will know in Psalm 51, David is, it's a repentance psalm. And David is repenting for his sin. And just quickly, what David did was he saw this beautiful woman that was married, and he invited her over to his palace. He had sex with her. She got pregnant. He didn't know what to do. So he killed her husband. He is in the deep, deep throes of sin. One lie, another lie, one sin, another sin. And yet in Psalm 51, it says, against you, you only have I sinned. And you're like, David, how can you say that? Do you not know how you've abused Bathsheba? You killed Uriah. How can you say that? Because David has acknowledged something that will hopefully make us more open to the idea of confession that every sin we commit against a brother or sister is firstly a sin against God. It's a sin against God because that person was created in the image of God, is an image bearer of God. So as we confess our sin, we understand the serious nature of our sin because we have sinned against God first and we have sinned against this image bearer. And so when we confess, there's a sense in which we have to be able to admit that I didn't just sin against Karen, I didn't just sin against my marriage, I sinned against God, and I sinned against this body. Now, is the point of this to make it feel worse? No, the point of this is to show me the kind of freedom that I've received. 
that when I confess and align my life according to the way that God has designed my life to be, then I can bring freedom to Karen, to this community, to myself, that I can be salt and light because of the way that I treat her. Make sense? When we are listening to a confession, band, you can uh, come up. Scripture doesn't say, shame one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, hold stuff against one another. It also equally doesn't say, enable one another, brush over one another's sin. In an attempt to show love, one of the things that we've got to ask is do I minimize sin in my attempt to show love? Because I can and am told to hold the fact that when someone has sinned, something wrong has happened, yet their value is unchanged. Does that make sense? Because most of the time what we try and do is we try and elevate the person's value, which means that we, it's okay. It's okay. I want to thank the person for their courage because the fact that they have come to you, just the fact that they've come to you and they've said, I want to confess something to you, just that act alone is an act of spiritual warfare. Literally, even before they've confessed anything. And thank them for their courage and ask God for wisdom, for love, grace, and truth. These are some of the things that our heart posture needs to be. Sean spoke about forgiving one another. This is when you are receiving, when someone has confessed or is repenting towards you. Don't say that's okay. That's not okay, but I forgive you and I love you. That's not okay, but God forgives you and he loves you. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there because God loves you. This morning, I, I want to ask you, what sin of omission or commission is the Spirit of God saying to you that you can be free from that this morning? Jesus, how are you leading me to joy and freedom by exposing my heart? Is there someone that I need to confess to so that I can experience humility, honesty, and healing? And also, maybe this is the first time you would have the opportunity to make that initial confession of faith. To actually say what it says in Romans. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and trust in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Trusting with a heart leads to righteousness and confessing with a mouth leads to salvation. There are, most traditions in our church have this pattern. And the pattern is the confession of sin. And then after the confession of sin comes the assurance of pardon. What I've cheekily done is as I look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and I see that it is the good news of Jesus Christ that he came and he said the kingdom of God is at hand that causes our response of confession. So what I've done this morning is rewritten and reordered 
And so we start this morning with our assurance of pardon. And then we end with our confession of sin. Won't you stand with me? I want to invite you to read this with me. The band is going to play and then Sean is going to lead us through communion. We have complete assurance in our Heavenly Father that though we are flawed, we are valued. Though we have hurt people, we are forgiven. Though we have sinned against God, others, and ourselves, we are accepted. There is nothing we can do, say, think, feel, or remember that will separate us from God's love through Jesus Christ our Savior. Therefore, we confess with openness and courage. Our Father, we open our hearts to you and to ourselves to examine things about us that are hard to acknowledge. Merciful Father, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. As we lean on your inviting and transforming mercy, and as we confidently stand in your unwavering love, we ask for forgiveness. Empower us to amend our ways so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways for the glory of your holy name. We stand in faithful expectation of your forgiveness and acceptance. In the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Spirit who empowers us. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nick. Um, you, uh, you live this well, what you preach, bro. Thank you. Um, uh, Tony, why don't you join me up here? Um, we are a church that believes that God speaks uh, to us through His Word most clearly and thoroughly. We also believe in the uh, exercise of the gifts, and we also believe that God uh, will work through His body. And, and Tony had something that yeah, he's a trusted member of our, of our church, and he had something that uh, he saw and wanted to share, and I think it's helpful for us. Um, so as Nick was speaking of humility, I saw something like incense kind of rising from, uh, from everybody. And it, it made me think of the passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15, where it says, uh, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we're, we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And as I prayed through this, I got the impression that there are some that are still stuck between the, the conditioning that comes with condemnation and with conviction. Um, there's a rejoicing, as Nick was sharing, and a, and a healing and a freedom that comes with responding to the conviction. 
and, um, and trusting in God's forgiveness that's already there. And um, so I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're stuck in that place, there is rejoicing if you step forward. We are uh, we're going to respond as is our custom with communion. Was that me? Um, there's there's people here to my left, to your right. Um, we're going to approach communion. There's different ways that you take communion. There's times where we celebrate it. There's there's also opportunities to examine ourselves uh, in taking it and um, in this examination. Just like Tony was just sharing, one of the things that Nick said, um, the, the, the connection to that, uh, that quote from Bonhoeffer, the idea that there's this uh, humiliation, but don't get lost on that. As, as Nick said, that, that word, there's kind of like this appropriate humbling of our pride, but it's in the presence of God lifting your head uh, in, in the midst of his holiness. Uh, as we get to confess to one another, there is a sweetness and an aroma that, that, that comes up from that. So there's trusted people to my left, to your right. Uh, if there's something that the Lord has brought to, you, uh, to, to your mind, to your heart, get free from it. Uh, experience a little bit of healing. You don't have to actually walk out of here with that burden. It'd be nice to drop it. <laughs> Sure would be nice to drop it. Um, I'm going to release us to grab the communion elements. Uh, in the back, there's a table in the back, and there's two here. I want you to come back, uh, and we're going to take communion together, okay? Confession of sin is a very uh, normal thing because we're human beings. <laughs> um, I'd like for us to just pause for a second. And what this meal represents is the reality that God wants to lift our heads in Christ. Father, I ask before we take these elements that you would help us to examine ourselves, but examine ourselves in light of what you've done for us. God, would you highlight areas in our hearts and in our minds that need to be healed and renewed, places that we need to confess. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that need to do that, that they would not uh, miss this opportunity to do so. The, uh, the band is going to continue to play. We are going to draw to an official close, but... Um, I'd ask that as we kind of shuffle out today, um, if you need prayer, if you need convert, this is an opportunity uh, not to pass on it. Uh, if you're feeling a little stir, um, don't miss that opportunity. And if you're here today and you don't know this forgiveness and you don't know Jesus, the reality that he has died for your sins and he knows your name, all it takes is for you to turn to him and to ask him for help and to accept him. And if that's you, I would love to speak with you. I would love to speak with you. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, 
visit our website at mercycommons.church.